the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, if we were recording this 15 minutes ago, we would have uh, had to stop and restart. Our electricity went out for about two minutes because there was a big lightning strike and it's it's just been pouring today. I got drenched getting into USCIS today. Well, it might still happen to me because it is going crazy around me right now. There's a lot of thunder, so we'll see. Um, the electricity has never gone out in this office, knock on wood. Uh, it should be good, so... But uh, we do have a guest today. You want to introduce our guest? Yeah. So her name is Ivy Gray, and I've been following her for a long time on Twitter. And I told her that before we got started. And she said, well, well, you guys must have high standards. And that I was like, well, we let Mike Whalen on here. So I know you and Mike are good friends. So, But Ivy is the Vice President of Strategy and Business Development for WordRake. And I can't wait to ask her about WordRake because I honestly sort of don't understand what it is. So I'm glad we're going to talk about that. But she had her own bankruptcy firm for 10 years. She's been listed as uh, one of the 2020 Influential Women in Legal Tech. Ivy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. And now I absolutely feel pressured because Mike is a lot funnier than I will ever be. Uh, don't give Mike too much credit. Come on, don't do that. So, well, Ivy, before we get into WordRake and what you're doing nowadays, uh, give us a little bit about information about your background and kind of how, how you got to where you are now. Sure. So I had a winding path that took me to law and then from law to technology, I started off as a journalist and I moved into public relations and damage control and worked in advertising for nearly 10 years before shifting gears and going to law school. When I decided to go to law school, I cataloged my, my skills. Uh, I did not have this great desire to to be a lawyer. Uh, I didn't grow up wanting to be Atticus Finch or anything. Instead, I said, what am I good at and what can I do with those skills? And uh, somebody suggested becoming a lawyer. So I did. Uh, after 10 years of practice, I somehow fell into technology and, uh, and then that took over my life. That's the shortest version I can give you. So Ivy, um, when you were a bankruptcy lawyer, did you work on your own or were you with other people? And then sort of how did that progress? Sure, I started at a large law firm that's actually known for innovation. Davis Wright Tremaine. I was in the Portland office and I was working on huge cases, mostly on the creditor side. 
And then like any young associate, I got hungry and stupid and decided that I would move to New York to try to work on the big cases. That's when I got my LLM and I joined a bankruptcy boutique and I was working on huge cases that you've probably heard about in the Wall Street Journal, everything from American Airlines and Kodak to Dewey and LaBeouf, which is the largest law firm failure in history. And working on Dewey really got me thinking about what law firms are doing wrong and the culture and the incentives that lead us to where we are. So... Ivy, you, you, it looks like you're like really, really involved in tech, right? So like why, why the legal route and why not the tech route from the beginning? So I, I thought that technology was just something that I did for fun. And I thought it was something that was simply a, a part of life. When you grew up in the Silicon Valley, that is what it is to you. It, it's just a thing that you do. You don't really, or at least I didn't really consider that it would be a career. And all throughout law practice, I, I was always the most technical person in the firm. And it still didn't occur to me that it could be a career. It wasn't until a friend who had an add-in, his name is Daniel, and he's the founder of Perfected, challenged me to using his product and actually testing it against myself uh, that I thought about joining the technology world. The short version of that story is that I was writing my LLM dissertation and I thought, I don't need any tools for this. I'm perfect. There's no way that your proofreading program is going to be better than what I can do. I had two executive board positions on my journal. <laughs> you know, standard lawyer ego, right? And then I tried Perfect It and I used it on my dissertation and it found errors. Uh, so I lost the bet. And instead of simply buying my friend a bottle of scotch, uh, that I owed him for losing the bet, I came back to him with about five pages of changes that I thought he should make to the program to make it more effective for lawyers. He thought lawyers should just run out and buy it no matter what. And with that, he said, really, why don't you join me and build the program you envision? And that's how I tumbled into technology. And so what did that look like as you began that process and how is th how have things progressed? So... I had to figure out the world of add-ins. Now I'm all in on add-ins, but at the time I'd never heard of what an add-in was. Uh, I thought that Microsoft had its functionality and I didn't really think beyond that. So while working with Daniel of Perfected, I learned really what add-ins did, uh, regex, which, is, which are regular expressions, C-sharp, et cetera, and figured out how the program worked from the front end all the way to the back end. And after, after figuring that out, I was able to see where I could add value, where I could use existing technology and bring in the aspect that lawyers would need. It's... I, I backed into where I am, but that's kind of how I do everything. You figure out what your solution is, what do you need, and then you, you develop the solution from there rather than having a solution search problem. So that's how I, how I ended up getting into it and learning things and really just figuring it out and training myself. All right. You got to remember, Ivy, that we are not these high-tech guru people. So uh, what the hell is an add-in or add-on? Break it down for us. Make it, make it simple. All right. So Microsoft add-ins are these little features that you can add to existing Microsoft 
programs and they are created to run within the programs to harness the structure of Microsoft Word or Excel or Outlook, etc., and to function within that world so that you don't have to leave Microsoft Word to do what you want to do. And they enhance the existing functionality. I love them because it's very, it's familiar. You, you have the ribbon, you have your drop-down menus, everything looks the same, and it's a low barrier to entry. Essentially, an add-in, if you move where the button is, it will feel to you just like using something that existed in Microsoft Word. So just like you would use Spellcheck, Spellcheck could have been an add-in if Microsoft didn't already create it. An add-in will do that same sort of thing. You click a button, it runs, it runs within that world. It doesn't make you change or do anything different. It's seamless integration and automation. Is this like yeah. a commonly known thing? I, I've like I've never heard of an add-in for like like on on um, Google Docs. Like they have add-on. Like I don't know what they're called, but, but I'll call them an add-in. Uh, but like I didn't know you could do the same thing for Microsoft Word. So is this like a commonly known thing? It is becoming more common. In 2017, when Microsoft changed its platform and uh, started creating a a marketplace for add-ins, it became more common. Before that, it was a lot harder. You had to know so much more and there were a bunch of restrictions. And I think only the most obsessed people actually heard about it. And now it's much more common. If you look to other industries where writing and editing are super important, uh, you'll see higher adoption. So for instance, editors and uh, professional proofreaders, they've been using add-ins for a decade and it's just now coming to law. And those people, they, they, they get paid by the word rather than by the hour. So they're constantly looking for ways to efficiently edit and do their jobs. So their careers and the way that they're compensated makes them go out and look for a solution. Lawyers are the opposite. We get paid by the hour and the slower we are, the more money we make. So we're discouraged from looking for ways to be efficient. Luckily with the new technology competence rule, things are pushing back with that. Let's talk about that model rule for technological competence. How how is that, um, come into play for lawyers? I bet a lot of our listeners don't know about that. Sure. So in 2012, the ABA issued a, an adjustment to a rule. Model Rule 1.1 tells lawyers that they must be competent in all things. Historically, we've thought of that rule as meaning that we must be competent only in how we practice law and how we analyze law. And we've ignored all other business aspects. In 2012, that changed. Comment 8 to Model Rule 1.1 was modified to specifically include technology and to require lawyers to be technologically competent in every single thing that they do. And the first people who started talking about it went way off and they started talking about blockchain and AI and all sorts of things that are scary and often irrelevant, especially for solo and small firm lawyers. You know, who, who really cares about blockchain? And When I started writing about it, I said, you know, why aren't people talking about how this actually impacts daily practice? And I thought, Microsoft Word, how many lawyers don't know that they can add things to their dictionary? How many lawyers don't know how to 
mark citations and use the built-in table of authorities feature. How many lawyers don't know how to do something simple like format bullet points or properly change line spacing to comply with court requirements? And realizing that people really didn't know that, but most commentary was about this other inaccessible stuff, I started writing about technology competence and thinking about how it mattered practically. So I'm going to ask you something fun. Tell me this, like, what is like one cool add-in that most people don't know on or or one cool tool, not add-in, one cool tool that most people don't, don't know about with Word that you think most people should know about? Oh my gosh, I love words. So <laughs> the list could be so long. No, I think that the the easiest one for people to begin using right away is the navigation pane. When you use Microsoft Word styles and all of the headings, uh, Microsoft will automatically create an outline based on those headings and put them into a navigation pane. So if you look to the left of your screen, you will see everything that you've created uh, in an outline form. And that outline actually helps you stay on point and stay focused. For me, once I started using the navigation pane and, and drafting with that outline next to me, I my briefs got so much better. They were so much more persuasive. And I felt less, I felt less tempted to throw in every argument simply because I could or to throw in arguments Uh, that were irrelevant or otherwise weak. Seeing that outline as I drafted made me constantly question whether this argument or this sentence actually advanced what I needed to do for my clients. And my drafting became so much better. So it's a simple thing. Control F, expand, you will see the navigation pane on the left side, and it is life-changing. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100, that's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by, try Smith AI. All right, great. Well, we're talking about model rules and formatting on Word, some of the things that really need to be talked about but sometimes aren't. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to us about WordRake. What What is WordRake and what how can it help people who are practicing law and dealing with briefs and things? Sure. So WordRake is, as we started talking about, an adding for Microsoft Word. It helps lawyers and other professionals seamlessly edit for clarity and brevity in Microsoft Word and Outlook. And it presents its changes in the familiar track changes style. So if you like something, you can just click and accept. 
I really hope that track changes are familiar to everybody. Uh, WordRake will help you edit for plain language and reduce legal jargon and legalese, cutthroat clearing introductory phrases such as clearly and furthermore, things that really don't add to your writing. It will remove unnecessary descriptive words and modifiers, correct nominalizations and worry adjective phrases. Those are all of the things like make a decision to uh, all of those words that end in ION. Uh, remove redundancies and correct usage errors, correct high-level grammar errors and punctuation mistakes, uh, and edit conversational language to be more professional. And it will do that all in one click. It would take you hours to go through and look for those sorts of things, and you become rather blind to your own writing and your own habits, but software doesn't become blind, and it never gets tired. So WordRig will catch all of those things for you, and it can edit 15 to 35 pages in under a minute. All right, so I'm going to ask you something not about the product itself, but actually, like, what is, what's it like marketing a product like this? I mean, it's so different from practicing law. I mean, what is it like uh, marketing this? Is it is it more difficult than practicing law? Is it easier? I mean, what like t- tell me the differences. So I would actually say that it's harder than practicing law. When you're practicing law, people have a they have a pain that they recognize and you don't need to convince them that they have a pain and that it should be fixed. With software that makes you more efficient, you must educate people that there is another way, that this pain actually can be fixed and that the thing that I have is the solution you want. And then you have to convince people that being more efficient is actually a good thing. I know that most people would say, oh no, lawyers are ethical. They, you know, they'd never choose to work slower. But the fact of the matter is that lawyers do choose to work slower. And efficiency is threatening and it is scary. And when we look at our billing records and we see that lawyers are billing two to three hours a day, even though they're working 10, the notion of scraping off six minutes here, 15 minutes there, 30 minutes here is just terrifying. So educating people and helping them see that they can be more efficient, that they will deliver a better work product to their client, and that they will actually continue to bill the same amount. It's just that their efforts will be spent on useful things, things that clients want to pay for, Yes, a client doesn't want any typos in their documents and they don't want any errors or long-winded winding sentences, but they don't want to pay for those things. They want to pay for your analysis. And if you can shift your effort from hunting for commas and capitalization issues to actually analyzing something better, then your clients will be happy. Do you think that it's easier to convince lawyers who are paid on contingency fee or on a, who operate on a flat fee than it is to convince lawyers who operate on a billable hour? Yes. When, if you're working on a flat fee or a billable hour basis, then uh, like the editors I was speaking about before, then your, your interests are already aligned with your client and the faster you get something done, the better it is. One of the key people who has uh, who's been vocal about their work on flat fee and contingency work is Patrick Lamb. Uh, who's now of Elevate, and he is, he's a WordMic user, and he was talking about how it helped with efficiency all of these years ago, and I, I think that, at least to me, that shows me how much it matters and 
and what a difference it makes to, to have your interests aligned with your clients. So Ivy, with WordRick, do you all have plans to expand into things like Google Docs or any other sorts of sort of softwares or word processing systems? Not at this moment. Uh, however, we do keep track of the requests that people make. Uh, we work in Microsoft Word now. We also work in Microsoft Outlook. And we are improving our functionality and the things that we check in those realms. However, if people you know, came and said, we will buy 500 million licenses if only you did, if only you worked in Google Docs, we'd probably listen to that. So what has the response been? What, what, what are your struggles in trying to get greater adoption of WordRake and are there competitors? So there are competitors. Most of the time when people first start to understand what WordRake is, they think, aha, I've heard of this, Grammarly. And Grammarly is out there and they do a good job, but it is not aimed at sophisticated writers. It is aimed at a lot of people who could not write a grammatically correct English sentence if they spent an hour on it. And Grammarly will help those people. So that's great. But what about people who are already smart, people who can already write well? That's when you need a more advanced tool and that's really where WordRate comes in. The other thing that just general consumer off-the-shelf products will, will do that a lot of lawyers don't think about is that they will collect and track your usage data. So anything that you are writing or editing with Grammarly is recorded in Grammarly's database. All of every document that you see, every keystroke that you that you type, all of that is recorded. And the only way to get rid of it is to delete your Grammarly account. And even then, your documents will remain on their server until they do whatever purge, and you don't know when, where, or if that is going to happen. I, I think your explanation of the differentiation between you and Grammarly is so spot on. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm looking at how, uh, um, WordRick looks. I mean, it, it is way different. I mean, it is, I mean, like you were like, like you're talking about like inline, it is, it's really cool. It's, it's really, really impressive. Thank you. It's, it's really, really neat. Like how long did this take? I mean, this seems like it would be so hard to do. I mean, like how did you know to set up the systems and the processes and all that? I mean, like this is really impressive. Like how did you do all that? So I am not the founder of WordRake. Our founder is Gary Kinder and he is an expert legal writer and has taught thousands of lawyers uh, and, and thousands of writing uh, courses to teach basically what you see here in WordRake. So it was his idea and he worked with some engineers to develop the algorithms that we use to, uh, to deliver our suggested edits. I am now in this world and as part of my work in strategy and business development, I get to, I get to come up with new things. And because I'm familiar with the process of looking at a program and then reverse engineering it and figuring out what's missing and what else I can add, I have this unique thing that I bring to the table and I cannot even begin to explain how I wound up there. It was a surprise to me too. Tyson and I met because I was teaching a class on law practice management at SLU. And in fact, uh, tonight we're, we're talking to the successor of that class. So we're going to be meeting with law students. And I wanted to 
raised two things. One, there's a guy named Dennis Kennedy, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Who came Love to- him. He's a friend. Real good guy. He came to talk to that class, and he told this really funny story that I liked, and it gets to one of the points that you raised earlier, and that is that Dennis was an estate planning lawyer, and he told Tyson and the rest of the class that in the old days, it took him 20 hours to draft a will and a trust and everything for somebody, and that he was like an early adopter of word processing. So even before computers, word processing, which I saw on TV the other day, and uh, I don't remember what show it was, but anyway, he figured out that he was able to get the work time that it took to do a standard will and trust from 20 hours to three hours, and he billed by the hour. So what, what do you say to lawyers who really are having that struggle with flat fee versus billable hour? I mean, I think the billable hour should be cut up, should be killed off. I don't think clients like it. I don't think lawyers like it. I think that really the only people that advocate for it, I think for the most part are big firms and that's because they have such big overhead. So I like your software to the extent that it's going to help kill off the billable hour, I think, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then I have another question. You know, I'd love to kill off the billable hour, but uh, I, I doubt that it's going anywhere. People have been talking about it being dead or, or that it was its imminent demise for years and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So what I instead think about is what else could you be doing that would benefit you or benefit your clients if you weren't wasting the time on those low value tasks that you can automate? So yes, a will might have been a 20 hour project and now it's three. And initially you think, well, I've lost all of that to bill if you were billing by the hour. But instead, now you can spend more time with your client and say, what assets are you trying to protect? What eventualities are you worried about? Do you have a family medical history that we should consider? What about creating a package of documents that are going to serve your family better? So maybe you don't just need a a will for your ultimate demise. demise. Maybe you need a living will. Maybe you need to trust it to protect a some exotic animal that's going to outlive you, or perhaps you need advanced directives because somebody is sick and they might uh, become incapacitating. I mean, in this COVID era, the idea of advanced directives has become all the more important. And if you are not just focusing on getting the document out and doing the bare minimum, then you can actually move to consulting with your clients and solving problems that they weren't sure they had. But now that you've mentioned it, they are so relieved that you saw it and you could help them with those very real world problems. All right, that's perfect. And then uh, as a follow-up to that, tonight Tyson and I are speaking to third year law students who may or may not go out on their own. And when it comes to technology, I'm wondering what advice you would have for us to share with them tonight when we meet with them. So if you're striking out on your own, you need to develop sound technology practices from the very beginning. It's hard to reorganize and retrofit a dysfunctional process after you've already been doing it for a year. So I would spend some time figuring out what your file naming protocols will be, how you will manage your documents, setting up calendaring, getting your quick parts together. So say you are licensed in a state that has a great bank of precedent documents and they they show you the, the templates for say 
collecting a, a judgment. And those documents are, for the most part, the same. You can use Quick Parts in Microsoft Word and create a template of those documents yourself. Uh, and you'll be a lot more effective and you won't have to worry about forgetting something and committing malpractice. And if you do that on the front end, then you can really serve your clients once you get started. A lot of people jump right in and they try to bring in business as fast as possible when they don't yet have the resources to serve those clients' needs effectively. And I would say focus on getting those resources together so that you, so that you do it right. The other thing that I would, would say is calendaring. Um, as much as I've just talked about Microsoft Word, calendaring is the number one reason for ethics complaints and malpractice. So set it up so that anytime you get an email from Pacer, it automatically leads to a calendar item on, on your Outlook calendar. Uh, set it up so that you, every time you finish a phone call and you say log the time for it, you automatically enter a time on your calendar to follow up with that person. Get all of those things in place and then go out and get the clients. That way you are doing your best and you're not committing malpractice. Very good stuff, Ivy. All right, we do need to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. And actually my tip's going to be related to something in the Facebook group that John Fisher shared. And then if you don't mind taking a couple seconds, just going and giving us a five-star review, it helps us share the love. We would really, really appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? I was listening to a recent episode of I Love Marketing, as I want to do, and they still get together, Dean and Joe, every now and then. And one of the guests that they had on was talking about uh, a way to clarify things when you're giving a talk on YouTube, when you're making your videos. And he, he came up with this really interesting phrase that I really liked. And it's, um, it's that when you, when you are getting ready to make your point, you use one of two words, look, or listen. So as you're giving your talk on your YouTube video, you can pause for a second and say, look, and that gets the, that gets the person to pay closer attention to the next thing you're going to say. So put the important points you want to do there. You do it with that, the word and the pause. So look, listen, and then go right into it. And I think one person who does this really well in our group is Joey Vitale. He's really good at sort of refocusing your attention. And I think thinking about those two phrases, I'm going to try to start using them in my YouTube video. So I thought I'd pass that along. Jim, listen, Ivy has a really good tip for us. And so Ivy, what's your tip? My tip is to get the book, Thanks for the Feedback, The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well. It's by Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone. For me, I love this because one of the most difficult things as a young lawyer especially is listening to feedback and actually changing your behavior so that you can be successful. And this book will help with that. I think everyone needs to read it. That's really, really good. I actually can't wait to read that book. I'm, I'm, you, you mentioned it before the show started, and I'm really interested in that. I, hey, Jimmy, look, I've got a tip for you, okay? It's from our, our buddy, John Fisher, and he shared his intake binder. Now, he, sh he shares all of his stuff. He's like just an open book. But he, and I guess it's, I don't think he calls it an in intake binder, but he basically explains to the client what to expect with everything. It's, it's 190 pages or something like that. He shared the PDF in the group. 
So go and take a look at it if you're listening to this. And if you're not in the Facebook group, join the Facebook group because he just, I mean, no one asked him to do it. He just did it and it was awesome. It's really, really cool. It's branded. You may have to ask him, you know, who, who branded it for him, but it's it's got all of his logos and everything on it. It's really, really neat. So if you haven't seen it, um, go and check it out and you can probably steal some ideas, especially if you do personal injury, you can steal some of his ideas and put them into your own marketing. So Ivy, thank you so much for coming on. I got a lot out of it, a lot of technical stuff, but I, I, a lot of great takeaways in this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited that I got to be here. Thanks guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Ivy. We'll see ya. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.